0: Okay, so I'm um, a mixed-race man in
1: his early 30s, wearing dark glasses with dark hair, and I'm sitting in front of a virtual background that is an image of um, Maver and Kobe's workspace from their time at Wising. So that's a desk covered in post-it notes. I am a
2: mixed-race woman uh, in mid thirties wearing a bun uh, and a dark brown pattern shirt (laughs) uh, sitting in front of a painting from Lucas Dupuis uh, dealing with Subject of dyslexia <laughs> and uh, green plants on my left hand side.
3: I'm I'm a I'm a uh,
0: early thirties uh,
3: male, um, dark skinned guy wearing a folded up bucket hat with a greyish hoodie um sitting in a bedroom slash studio um taking part in a in a conversation um with Maiva Bertolo and the team at Weising art centre discussing the tender ascent.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Desktop Studio Visits. My name is John Enkia Bloomfield, and I work at Wising as Senior Curator of Programmes. So for this episode, I'm joined by Maver Bertolo and Kobe Say. Maver joins us from Paris and Kobe from South London. This episode is a very special one as it celebrates Maver and Kobe's exhibition at Wising, Tender Ascent. The physical exhibition closed last week, but the online version is live until the end of the month. You can find that on our Wising Broadcast site. We'll put the address in the chat. So before I introduce Mova and Kobe, I'll just quickly go over some housekeeping. This event has been subtitled, and you should be able to see a stream text link that gives options to uh, change sizing formatting. A link can be found in the chat on the host Wising Broadcast page. The format of today's event is that Maver, Kobe, and I have chosen some artifacts, influences and inspiration from their time at Wising. We're going to play, share or read them and we're going to talk about them. It's as simple as that. Then after about 40 minutes or so, there will be time for questions from the audience. If you do have a question, just pop it in the chat and we'll uh, try to ask it. And if you want to revisit the event later on, we're planning to archive it as a video, podcast and transcript in the next week or so i add audio descriptions of videos to the podcast. So I'll introduce Maeva and Kobe before we play our first video. Maeva Bertolo is a choreographer, performer and teacher whose mode of working unfolds along the threshold between experimental, performative and collaborative approaches. Her work intends to instill a dialogue between material and immaterial realms, drawing attention to the tension between the visible, the invisible, conscious and unconscious, and rehearsed and improvised. Whilst her research is rooted in a movement practice, which is an ongoing inquiry into the themes of consciousness, transformation, healing, death and rebirth, her interest lies in creating cathartic spaces in which the emotional and sensational states related to loss, grief and change can be explored, processed and assimilated into conscious experience. Kobe Say is a vocalist, musician and DJ who, after years spent buzzing around the DIY Artist Circuitry of Southeast London, has developed a distinctive presence as a performer and producer, offering a shifting, disorientating vision of club music. Kobe's open-door approach to sharing and making music stretches to his work with London collective Curl, who release records and host events with a collaborative, improvisatory approach, as well as a regular slot to the NTS which offers a portal into his appealingly murky musical world. Okay, hi Maver and Kobe. You can turn your cameras on now. Hi, hi
0: Maver.
1: Hi. hi Kobe. Hi. How are you both doing? Yeah, good. 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 Yeah. Hello, to... about Yeah, good, thanks. Good to good to see you again. Um, Good to like, have you with us Been sort of working together on and off for now several years. So yeah, good to, good to just check in again. Um, okay, we'll play the first video and then we can, yeah, start talking. So Clary, please play the first video for us. Several people dance in a studio room.
0: We will learn to give up old habits for better new ones. We will find connection between pleasure and effort.
3: We will connect to our delicacy speed, explosive power, the use of gravity and the virtue of lightness.
1: So we began with a clip of Ohad Naharin talking about movement practice called Gaga. Mava, can you tell us a little bit about Gaga and how you came to that practice?
2: Um, Gaga is a practice developed by Ohad Naharin following uh, an injury and he, um, he kind of used his dancer because he's got a company called Batsheva, based in Tel Aviv, and he used his dancer as guinea pig to develop over the years this technique um it's a technique that's uh, improvisation led and it's very explorative it allows and it gives space to the dancers to really delve into their sensation and emotion uh, with a series of tasks and images um, that really allows you to to discover part of yourself. Um, for me, it was key in my in in my construction. I don't raise it as the the growl, but it was definitely a big meeting, and it shifted my approach because I come from a very traditional uh, dance background. I was in the equivalent of like the opera house doing ballet, contemporary, uh, you know, in like uh, in uh, uniforms. So. That was for me the ship where suddenly someone just told me, "Oh, okay, <laughs> you can feel." <laughs> you can connect to your sensation, to your emotion, um, to, and this is my, this is my tool. it's my body, and I've, I was taught until that point to numb almost my connection to it. So, suddenly it made me blossom as a performer and as a person because I just developed a real deep connection to to my mind and to my body. Um, And I guess also it really um, inspired me to keep uh, as a thread in my my whole uh, exploration, creative inspiration um it really inspired me to keep improvisation as as my main tool um yeah lead improvisation improvisation
1: um <laughs> okay thank you no that's that's really yeah really fascinating um like seeing your work now you do i don't know i mean to my untrained eye i wouldn't necessarily know that the your training to begin with was, was so sort of formal and, and classical, if you use that word. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to know what, like, yeah, where that kind of came from and mm-hmm. what kind of uh, led you down to a different path. Um, but could I ask why? Sort of why you kind of suggested we talk about Gaga, but like, why?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why bring it into this conversation? Why are we talking about it now?
2: Because in a the world, I would have actually almost shared a video of uh, of Kobe and I doing Gaga together to warm up, <laughs> because it was, I think, um, it was the way I was helping him to meet his own physicality and his body, and to have the same kind of discovery and transformation, and um, and and I remember Kobe expressing before we met this desire to explore physicality and movement, and I saw it was a nice way, in um, and to meet, but again, really to meet uh, you, the body as a tool and as a emotional, sensational tool.
1: How, I mean, I understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> you don't. Were comfortable playing us that yeah. that video but how well, kobe how did you how did you find it kind of um you know doing doing gaga when it's not your that's not really part of your practice normally and just how did you find find that as an experiment
3: it felt it, it felt equally new and um familiar because um like it just felt like a way that i really needed to you know like express myself especially Being someone who works a lot in studio settings. I mean, I do do a lot of performances and live shows, and I know that I can be very animated during those shows. But um, yeah, like it's because I'm not formally trained and I don't, you know, use my body so much as a performer or, you know, or as a movement artist. I don't know. I've, I've had this. Urge, I've had this on and off urge for a while, and it just seemed like the perfect um, context to um, explore that more. And thankfully, you know, like to work with other and to have those warm up sessions just really, really helped. Um, like prior to that, I was, yeah, I, I attempted to explore it in a show that I did with with a few friends. Um, knowing that I'm in no way any sort of professional dancer, but then um, sometimes that's not really a necessity as as it is to just be as open and as honest about it. Um, And yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, I was also in court, I don't know, I think, I think also perhaps doing Tai Chi for a couple, you know, for several months, a few years ago, not only helped, but also um, provided me some sort of language to sort of find ways to move around. Um, but yeah, no, my others, yeah, my was, my was incredible. I mean, I've, I've I've learned a lot from you know in terms of like the body, you know, using my body and understanding it more. Um, yeah,
1: I just want to stress maybe why um, sort of why these kind of exercises were so necessary because one. One thing that may not be immediately apparent to anyone who's um come come to see your show at, at Wising or seen one of the performances or who's just, I don't know, even just stumbling across this conversation is that the background to the project was quite quite unusual for us. Like it was almost set up like a bit of a bit of a matchmaking uh thing, a bit of a blind date. So uh back during like the first year of the pandemic but the most most intense year we um at Wising, we had a we had plans for a music festival which was going to be curated by uh and who curates under a a to z a to z and then um with the pandemic we had to kind of move it online and as part of that Anne invited you both to kind of collaborate and you hadn't you didn't know each other before you didn't you hadn't hadn't sort of worked together and it was uh you know amazing that you were just like approached it so kind of generously and so uh just just with open arms really just to sort of be like okay yeah I'll throw my lot in with this with this I mean with this stranger really I mean it's also worth saying that um you hadn't worked with Wising either so it was just a lot of unfamiliar kind of unfamiliar ground and I'm just I'm just really fascinated by that kind of those sort of that first meeting those early early weeks so you came to Wising for a short like two-week residency basically two weeks we came together and you had to kind of develop a new work a new performance work so how did you kind of like start doing that like Kobe how did you start kind of breaking the ice like how did how did that work
3: yeah we, we met up a few weeks prior to the residency um and I think that was that that helped in a huge way like we just decided to meet up because we, we both happened to be based in um specific, same sort of borough in London, um, Lusham. Um met up, got 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 some coffees, um, went to a studio, um, met up again afterwards at another studio, experimented with sounds, talked about ideas. Even before then we had a phone call, a very, very long phone call, just talking about um uh you know ideas, um ideas that, you know, Mova's envisioned and also just personal stuff that we've been going through and um, that all provided at least for me to be a huge ice, icebreaker and and for me like it it helped me realize that okay um this is a person that I think I would really um connect with and and hopefully vice versa because um we just I don't know there was just there was just something there it was just something there and um yeah that really helped in a huge way
1: are you, are you usually so kind of open when you first meet or work with new people
3: or was it just like you had to do that for this or um, I don't know sometimes I feel I am sometimes I feel I'm not but I don't know I don't know and with, with Myva that I definitely I don't know that was just there was just something there that I've, I thought okay yeah no Myva, Myva's yeah Myva's a, a, a great one and um, and um, like she really cares about her work and there's a warmth there that I just immediately felt connected to and yeah. Um, maybe what about when you kind of when you got
1: to the farmhouse sort of what like faced with know, a blank piece of paper how do you start what's the first thing that happens?
2: I mean, as Kobe mentioned, I think the collaboration started from the meeting, from those phone calls. I have a very fond memory of the first phone call because we stayed hours.
3: It was a while.
2: It was like, hours. Maybe two,
3: three hours or something. I like,
2: think so. It was a very
3: long phone call. <laughs>
2: yeah. So right from the start, yeah, we felt that we could discuss and exchange and imagine things together um so i don't know it felt like a continuity and i think right from the start something that was very clear is that kobe is a mover and i'm a musician (laughs) and you're a musician yeah i mean i don't anymore but i played harp for eight years when i was young and i had to stop because of life and other choices but um, music is one of the things that makes me move uh, and and I think so right from the start we both had this kind of curiosity also towards the other person practice and a lot of respect uh, and yeah I mean I, I'm I'm a big fan of Kobe's work too. So I think when you both respect each other, you both love each other's work and, and you're, you have easy conversation, it, it, it was very fluid. Thank Lord it was. Yeah. As you said, it was a blind date, but. Yeah. Um, so, and then we arrive at Wising and suddenly, uh, you mentioned earlier, it was during the pandemic. So no one was on site. We had the keys of the gallery space, and we could access the gallery 24 hours. <laughs> and I think suddenly also that space became ours. And, and we felt safe, and we felt unwatched, unobserved. So I think free. Uh, like it rarely happened to me in any residencies. I've never felt like I could experiment so much. Uh, because no one is watching, and it makes a big difference, I think um, and we could uh we could experiment at night so suddenly also your brain waves are different so yeah, we were doing all night
0: just
3: yeah it's was, it was like for the for the <laughs> first week or pretty much most of the first week, it felt like we were existing outside of time, yeah, and I think I think for me that that definitely helps with with work because. I find when I'm not thinking about time, I'm able to sort of, you know, work at my own sort of pace, whether, whether quickly or slowly. And that definitely helped um, in terms of, you know, working with Maiva and familiarising ourselves and, you know, and um, and uh, realising the ideas, the concepts that later became tender ascent.
2: Great. Yeah, it wasn't about productivity. Yeah. It
3: really was about. Yeah. Was cli- yeah. <laughs> as cliched as it might seem, the journey is the journey. Yeah. You know, the journey. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um so
1: the next the next item then uh, it's an extract that's translated from the I Ching, or the Book of Change, which is a Chinese divination text, some of which is really old, like over 3,000 years old. Um, So, I mean, as I said, it's a translation, there were like lots and lots of different translations, this is just the one we have now, which I believe is not even the one that you had in your kind of research, but it's the one we have now. Um, Meiva, could you read it for us?
2: With my French accent, (laughs) (laughs) apologies. Rising stilly as a mountain in cloud with the beauty of cowish shells, you rise all tender ascent, moving deep into the grain of things. And so setting out toward a destination brings forth very little bounty.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank, yeah. Obviously, we can hear the title of the project, A Tender Ascent," in that extract. But um, could you, maybe, could you tell us a bit about how you've used that book, either kind of previously or just also just you know what, how it became useful for this project as well?
2: Um, previously, I never really used it as a creative tool. It's more a, a text I fall back onto almost as a meditation uh, to give space. Uh, But um, yeah, during the residency, it really became almost like, uh, I guess it it does the same than than pulling a tarot card in the morning to give you a sense of direction or a specific energy. Uh, It was almost like a vantage point for us to understand what the day was holding. And it was helping us, I guess. We were picking texts, uh, chapters, yeah. Um, One was picking a number, the other one was just opening, reading. And it was really for us to have an energy or an imagery to meditate on in relationship then also to the work. And um, so it was more, yeah, to help us find
1: imagery and direction kind of set a tone for the day almost
2: Definitely.
1: yeah um i mean and kobe i know that you you you're somebody that's worked with lots of different people almost a kind of a serial kind of collaborator but a lot of those people in, 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 in musicians so when you work with musicians would you have to use some other tools to kind of get started and to find that common ground or would it just would, would, would there be like another way would it just be from just like just in the realm of music i'm just trying to like think about what might be different for this kind of collaboration where you although you've kind of swapped roles you each start with a different kind of area you've got to kind of bridge that gap
3: yeah yeah um i find with the people that i consider god this is going to sound like um this is going to sound a bit favoritistic, but um yeah, I guess my closest collaborators are definitely one thing that I've noticed similarly is that we're all quite subdued and we tend to prefer um just communicating through um I know we'll we'll do, of course we'll talk and we'll discuss but we've, we've, we often find that we're able to work so well from just doing and playing and and um in a way like that that sort of it's it's almost like telepathically communicating to each other and I, I find with those people you know like that's they're the ones who i feel a huge kinship with you know whether it's with terza whether it's with mika um Miva as well um um but yeah no in terms of having like a set thing as to who i'll collaborate with um not, I don't, I don't have one overtly, but I'm sure I have one subconsciously, you know, somehow, and, you know, and it's mainly just through um, seeing how it goes, like we'll, we'll arrange to meet up at a rehearsal space or a recording studio and just sort of take it from there, really. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I think I definitely think in the future I'm going to see if I'm going to see if I could sort of figure out what it is. But um, yeah. How
1: about you, Mabel? Did you find? Did you feel kind of an extra pressure to, like, what's the word? Almost like you need to bridge a gap, or there's like an act of translation, or is it just sort of was there a kind of an easy common language? Or I mean like how, how, would, how would kind of collaborating with, with Kobe compared to other collaborations you'd have where the other practitioners just shares a common background?
2: Somehow I think it wasn't about, about background, it was about the person you meet and the energy you find in the room. Um, and because we're both empathic, uh, warm, <laughs> being uh i felt like we had that common language (laughs) and we and then i feel like the voice is the same whatever tool you use to express it that's a body that's an instrument that's imagery um i really think when, when you're creative you've got one voice and then you've got mediums but i think our two voices understand each other so again it wasn't about the the background or the medium it was about just
3: <laughs> yeah yeah and i think as well like with what i found with with pretty much all of the um people that i've you know been lucky enough to work with is that um there's always like an established an establishment of language specific to that collaboration um maybe not so like maybe not so much like literally like put together but just in terms of like okay so um there's there's a certain preference or way of like working like this okay and then we could work okay so if that be the case i'll i'll sort of keep that in mind and adapt myself to work with this person in this sort of way but still make sure that you know it's coming from a sincere place and I'm not and it's not like compromising so that there's a mutual you know like thing going on there's there's a there's a there's an an interaction and uh and um yeah like a a respect um for sure and um yeah no like I thought to, to to um Co with my yeah like I've like, like this a huge amount of um warmth and yeah just yeah warmth connection and yeah empathy empathy with, with what we're doing and respect as well with yeah and patience. yeah sounds like um, you make a good curator,
1: Kobe I feel like a good curator to sort of have those. <laughs> has those qualities and just kind of uh, always has to like fill in fit around what like an artist is, is, is like and well, like right. every, every working relationship could be could be different in that way um okay let's move on to the next item so chloe is going to play us a video from from ghana
3: several people walk down the road with people drumming behind them a bit about this video yeah I don't know where to begin with this one Um, so this video um I recorded um, in mid-august um it it was part of a yeah like a funeral slash celebration of my maternal granddad's life um who passed away in December 2020 um uh this this took place at the time that it did because of covid um which was in august 2021 uh last year and um so what we just saw um was part of the ceremony which involves the usage of um talking drums um as them you know most well known as and yeah this video i shared with Maiva because um you know similarly we are both going through um you know like a huge amount of grief and we're also just talking about um you know like how not only does it relate to what we're doing or what we what we explored with a tender ascent but also in terms of where we want to go with it further on for you know the second iteration um but yeah, no, I'm sort of jumping ahead here. No, so with the talking drum, that like with, with with talking drums, it, the big part of it is 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 that it's it's it, it it's called talking drums because that's literally what it is. It's it's the way that the drums are being played is 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 um um analogous to how people were talking. So there, those are actually messages being played, and um, whilst I turn my phone around there's a particular person who was moving and 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 you know using their body to move around in 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 sync with the drums so that what's happening is they're actually telling a story and in in tandem with each other and i felt that i don't know just it just really it really struck a chord with me um especially to witness that in person um it's almost like an affirm- like an affirmation as to um, how uh, I approach music and how I feel we've approached things for a *Tender Ascent*. Even though the first iteration of it during lockdown had no um, usage of, even this, even the second iteration, there was no usage of live drums. And even though there's only like a specific moment of the of the piece in both different iterations that have drums, I feel like it. It's still just as important because we're we're using sounds and frequencies to um communicate certain um emotions and feelings and um yeah like it just it, yeah i f- i f- i felt like that was a way of sort of
0: um yeah finding how similar
3: um all of those things I, I don't know I'm a huge believer of how things everything is connected in some way or another and, I, and you know it was just such a powerful moment being there you know and and, and it just yeah like I, I thought in my own way we're, channel, we're channeling those emotions um through our piece you know through tender through Ascent. Um, yeah that
1: makes
3: yeah. a lot of sense I mean yeah. it's like
1: the, the drum section in the middle of uh in the middle of the piece it's sort of one of the yeah the most intense parts of the work it's a part that you can see there's a i don't know at once the begin to begin with there's this huge sense of control from what you know you've got just in terms of performing it um yeah there's this just from seeing multiple rehearsals i can tell there's a bit that's technically quite challenging you need to really kind of like focus to like get it just to beat match it and to bring it in. And then for you I can see there's a there's also this moment at the end of that where like from my eyes, you seem like the most free in the whole, in the whole performance. So where you you start um you sort of you leave the instruments and you move into the middle of the room and you're kind of you're sort of dancing like with 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 Mova. And there's this bit where um begin with you almost being kind of instructed so this just to be clear I'm talking about the um, the live performance which some people may have seen um, this this isn't in isn't in the video so in the live performance is a bit where maybe almost kind of like directing you with with a um, with an instrument mic and you're kind of just sort of dancing to that and then there's a bit where you're just like released and you go into the room and you're just kind of yeah you're you're just like you're free and That that i don't know always seems like um a climax in it and very kind of very kind of cathartic and i feel like what you have like talking about the background of those drums makes a lot of sense like it's um you know like music's a kind of a funny thing because just in general because it's uh, something that is of like instrumental music is often very abstract and or you know but something that we can ascribe kind of meaning and emotion to even when it's someone's not like literally talking about an emotion or or a concept or a thought but we can sort of you know we kind of just just feel it but drums feel like the the most abstract out of all of that so to kind of turn it on its head with the idea of the talk, talking drums is I don't know that's really kind of fascinating to me um yeah
3: yeah it's like it's almost like one thing that I learned with the talking drums is that it it, it can't it can't exist without the without the people being there and, and and the emotions that they're conveying through um you know movements. Um but then it could be said the same about the you know um the drums you know um or the movement not being possible, you know, not being possible, the people not being possible, or them not. It be possible to move you know without the drums like it's it's a it's a symbiotic thing and um you know like i i, I honestly honestly think and feel that it's a similar case with with how we approach the tender ascent, especially the second time round um during that particular scene where you know a lot of movement was used from myself and my other, um yeah.
0: Hmm
1: maybe i'm wondering because um like this you know the video that kobe's showing us and the experience he's described comes from like the the middle of this whole kind of project so you sort of began it in september 2020 and we're working on the performance or an iteration of the performance up until um like february 2022 just wondering if like the meaning of the work for you, or the meaning of this, like of, you know, evolving body of work, has that has that changed for you, kind of over time? as sort of, you know, life has got in the way, or like the works just changed? Does it sort of, um, or like how you how you'd read it, or like just very you know, very simply,
0: like what it's about, has that sort of changed for you? It became maybe. broader um in uh because at the start yeah we really
2: started um focusing on uh, on this idea of frequencies and vibration and resonance, so it was quite narrow in that sense, but somehow from yeah, it kept on blossoming, I think it was like almost a uh, finding doors after doors, dimension after dimension, and it all unraveled and it was all offering itself and realizing that there was so much more threshold to, to be passed. Uh, and in a way, I feel like maybe invisibly or unconsciously, all the things we developed in the first part were already in the space, And there, in the black box, uh, even in the first, they were just um, in that invisible realm of that black box. They were kind of already just hovering over our heads. And we just kind of pulled them and maybe developed them. But I feel like they were already a presence of all the other subjects we developed in the second part. Um, But. no, for sure, we talk about life and death, but I think right from the start we did. <laughs> we did, yeah,
3: we know. did, yeah.
2: Maybe in a less conscious way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interpretation. The title but I've only recently began to think about—you know, tender, a tender ascent—it's like ascending to what you know. Can you read it as, like, um, yeah, in that in that way? Um, okay, let's move on to the just uh, the next the next section. so Chloe's going to share us some images uh, from um, Masuro Emoto's um, book The Hidden Messages in Water.
0: Three close-up images of snowflakes in different patterns. Thank you, Perry. So,
1: Maeva, this was one of your suggestions. Could you tell us a bit about these images and, like, or even the books they're from?
2: Yeah. It's from the hidden messages uh, in water from uh, Mazuru Emoto, um, that thinks that thoughts, emotion uh, can have um, an effect on physical reality. So, what we see is um, so, crystal. That been played different music or told different words. Uh, but she first came across it uh, via a scientific article that was discrediting it. <laughs> and then I looked into it, and I read, I read all the articles, the people that are believing, the people that don't, and uh, and I don't care. I don't care actually if it's true or not. But for me, it just became a beautiful poetic imagery to understand that, yeah, we are um, sensitive beings, reactive beings. Uh, and because we are obviously water beings, it, it, it right away just made me think about, about humans um, mm. and about how, um, yeah, our emotional exchange, our thoughts, our, our energy are, are affecting us in the deeper way <laughs> and changing us and transforming us in the deepest way. Uh, so, yeah, it's more for me. A, I thought it was really poetic to think that human consciousness uh, could affect uh, your molecular level, <laughs> you know, <laughs> your your more molecular structure um, so yeah I don't care if it's <laughs> real or not but I like to use it as a as a poetic images
1: yeah. I mean I think that's something you can definitely definitely kind of do as an artist you can sort of um in a way you can decide what terms you want to take an idea on you can sort of it can be like a Create, it can be a creative prompt it can be like a, a poetic ideal that kind of leads you to something else you don't you know you have a different you like an artist asks questions but you're not you don't you not. you not have the same job as a scientist you can you don't need to kind of think about things in in that same way um i mean how was it was it a text that you drew on as part of the tender ascent did it kind of come into that that kind of into the conversation with kobe Sorry, Is, Was it a text that you drew on for a tender ascent and right. was it some, something that you um, came into I the mean, conversation?
2: I, I was mentioning this um, more because we we're talking about limbic resonance and that's, uh, that's something we believe on. We, we know scientifically it does exist uh, and I thought that this book was a nice poetic way to see the a scientific uh, process which uh, limbic resonance is uh, the fact that the limbic system, which is the, the part of the brain that drives emotion, does react to, to emotions um, in the room. Um, and that uh, when we share space, uh, when we exchange with people, we enter in an emotional resonance. Um, which we can feel, you know, uh, daily, I think, when we have a specific type of exchanges at work or with partners, we, we can feel that we connected as humans uh, physiologically and, and emotionally. So, so yeah, I think uh, the, the crystals were more like, again, an, an image to represent that scientific concept.
1: As somebody who kind of thinks about ideas of, like, limbic resonance, how, how did you find the experience of, in the one hand, developing performance that would be for an audience that you couldn't share space with? So this is a performance that um, we originally intended to, to live stream and then just for various reasons I won't go into, it was sort of recorded and played as, but there were there were you know it was for an audience at their homes on their screens, a bit like now, really. this um, you know, we can't tell whether people are yawning or leaning into the conversation or just leaving. It's sort of a bit kind of abstract. So how, how did you kind of find working on something like that compared to working on like this, you know, the later iteration when we knew there'd be
0: like a gallery full of people?
3: Kirby. I mean, I think it would have definitely felt different if, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't accompanied with my myva to perform the piece because I, I felt like, even though we're aware that there are going to be people tuned in from wherever they are and um, watching this, the fact that um, we perform we will perform it together. At least for me, I felt like we'll, we're performing it for each other as well, and and of course for team at Weising. So I think that, I think that definitely helped To um, That definitely helped for me to, to, um, draw, draw in, um, you know, energy and, and, and hopefully vice versa. Well, I like to think vice versa as well. Yeah.
1: No, I think definitely, definitely. So it was like, yeah, that your first, first time you came to Weising, that was like, after several kind of hard, hard months of the pandemic and lots of other stuff and definitely resonated with the whole team. And we all drew a lot out of seeing you work. And it was, uh, yeah, it gave, it gave us life, to use a cliche. Um, so on that, I want to just move to the next. Of my I've got one last little question and then we'll open it up to questions from the audience. My next question is about, it's about wising. So um, Chloe's got some just images. Uh, not just rising, but uh, some images to show us, if you wouldn't mind, Claire. Three images: Kobe reflected in a glass door with a field behind him; a selfie with the top of John's head at the bottom, and Maver and Kobe in white hazmat suits
0: walking behind him; a desk covered in post-it notes. Okay, should you, just a few
1: just almost silly for us? Um at Wising. Okay. So between 2020 and 2022, um, you, you must have spent maybe, like, definitely over a month, maybe like six weeks in the end at Wising, kind of coming and going. Um, and <laughs> um, so, my question is there's an artwork in the farmhouse, which is just looks like it, it's on the bookshelves, and it's an artwork by. Um, Ruth Beale and Giles, Giles Round and it's the artwork it's it's a library. It's a library that invites artists to who've spent time at Wising to leave a book that's inspired them and to borrow books left by others. So my kind of final question for each of you is that uh, is, is to ask if you could suggest a book or a record or a film or something that that's inspired your time at Wising you would like to leave for um, for others. And we'll, you know, we'll we'll get it and we'll put it in the library for you. So um, ideally, one that we've not, something that we've not mentioned so far. So, Mava, what would you, what would you leave for the library?
2: Um, I would leave the book that's just by your right ear. Actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's called Espace Perdu, which means uh, lost spaces. By Claude Rizzi, which is a theatre director, French theatre director that passed a few years ago, and um, and is one of the greatest source of inspiration for everything I do towards creation. is is uh, known to to have developed as very the theatre of the invisible, um, because he he's developing a very slow pace um, process and shows, where he dilates and expands time. And even when it's not about the words, it's about the space in between the words um, and all the things that again, we can't consciously perceive. So we only, so I think it relates with all the things we've been talking about. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and uh, for people that don't know his work is an absolute uh, legend. <laughs> so I would recommend to look into his work.
1: Thank you. We'll find a copy
0: for the farmhouse. And uh, Kobe, what would you leave? Yeah. It's a toss
3: up between one of these two. Um, first one- You can leave two. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um so one of them one of them is called a trilogy de l'Amour by Eliam Radig who um I was I th- I would like to say I was f- properly properly introduced to or whose music I was properly properly introduced to by Myra back in either August or September 2021. Um yeah it's very minimal very i mean it's the tracks on this release are like about an hour each i think if my memory serves me well um but it it's something that you know like it's not background music and it's not um wallpaper music at all on like on the contrary it's 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 something that's It's straight, like, it's deep listening. Like, for me, it's deep listening, but it doesn't feel like I have to listen hard. Like, it's, like, or listen, you know, um, you know, with laser focus. Like, it just somehow, it does something, you know, and it's it's meditative, um,
0: and it's... I don't know. Like, it, there's
3: something. There's something about it that 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 opens me up to, you know, like feeling patient and feeling just like some kind of serene. And I don't know. I just feel like it really. I don't know. It feels. It feels. It feels like it makes sense and it resonates with what I like to think we managed to convey with this work. Um, as for the second album or a second re- release, it took me a while to think about it, but then once I realised, I was like, "It's so obvious." Basically, and the others, the other record, I'm sure a lot of people already know this. This record, it's, it's it's an album called Electric Ladyland by Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix Experience. For me, like, especially the track 1983. Like what Hendrix is talking about in the song, and just the sort of odyssey, you know, kind of journey, and also the watery kind of um, imagery that I get from that record, just really, really feels so pertinent to, you know, the work that we've done together, and um, yeah, I feel it's one of those things that I, I, I you know, it feels but it feels much more better for me to show rather than say so yeah thank you yeah very oh, really, really beautiful
1: suggestions thanks okay um got a couple of questions from from the audience just to end on um there's one here that's um asking about different resonances of, of the title of a tenderest view so kind of I guess just like different, different meanings of the
0: title for you. How like how would you sort of understand that? You could speak to that, or even like what struck a chord, but with that, with that original, with that title.
3: I think it was more just finding for me. It was that title really resonated with me and you know just for me as a person more you know like def you know like it's it's finding strength in um being open and you know knowing that there are people who may interpret that interpret that as being vulnerable which i think that's I don't think that means to, you know, I don't think that means or equates to a weakness. I think it, it equates to
0: like a huge amount of openness and truth that, I don't know, can't really be denied and, you know, so much as it could be felt, um, yeah. That really, yeah.
3: So I think that I mean that title as soon as we, you know Mova came across it and it's like yeah that's I was like say no more. That's the title. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It was just uh, it was just very evident. Um but about and about the meeting also, just the 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 way in such a soft and loving and warm and compassionate way, there were also an exponential uh, force growing from the softness. It was actually also creating a blossom of some sort and a and and a journey <laughs> up. <laughs> it felt like it was just Going to yeah, constantly to climax, but in such a gentle,
0: beautiful way. Thank you. That's really beautiful. Um, okay, so one final question from the audience: Do you have plans to work together again? Yeah. Yes, um, that's a note.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, November 2022. Yeah. Um okay. we plan we are we plan on we plan on um providing you know another way to experience the and and continue the work that we've you know that we've begun. Um November yeah. 2022. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's been announced. So I don't know why I'm being so cryptic, but yeah, it's, it's
0: <laughs> like it's,
3: it's, it's there's a Festival in Utrecht called lagesu And um yeah, Maiva and I agreed that we'd you know that would be would be up for um uh continuing a tender ascent as part of the festival.
1: Amazing. Yeah. See if we can uh do a little trip from Wising, drive Wising's van over yeah. to Utrecht. Definitely, definitely. Okay. All right. So uh yeah that that's it for today but um yeah thank you both so much for that chat and thank you everybody for for tuning in thank, thank you, you uh thank louise you. clary and and riannon working behind the scenes and um yeah
0: that's it have a have a good evening everyone thank you guys thank you